Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes that they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, and I'm here again with my co-host, Patty Marbury. Hi, Patty. Hi, Brandy. And we're joined by our buddy and colleague, and it doesn't matter if she no longer is in UVA finance or not, we still are going to claim her forever. Hello, Laverne. Mm -hmm. Hello, everyone. Laverne Harris is with us from... What are you, what group are you in now, Laverne? I know you're in the, the vice president for research office. VPR export controls. Okay, it's still expert. VPR's export. office, yep. So um, the gang is back together again today. Again, yay! <laughs> in Zoom land, that is. To talk about some terminology as a companion piece to a podcast that we recorded, I think last week with um, several other members of the Inclusive Excellence Advisory Group. That's hard for me at this point in the afternoon to rattle that off, you guys. <laughs> the Inclusive Excellence Advisory Group within UVA Finance. And if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, we'll link it in the show notes. Um, it's up to you which one you want to listen to first. That podcast is a discussion of the work that the Inclusive Excellence Group is doing within UVA Finance in partnership with the overall work going on at UVA in response to lots of big issues in our world today around um, diversity, inclusion, and racial equity. But this podcast is going to be a lot more of uh, a, a lesson, I guess, a walkthrough that'll be good for us and good for you if you're interested in this kind of subject matter, because we're going to walk through the terminology that you often hear as a part of these discussions so that you can better understand what's going on in the discussion altogether. There are lots of misunderstandings when you hear words like privilege, that maybe you've been told that you come from a place of privilege in the discussion and that brings to mind silver spoons and um, I don't know, rich backgrounds that you know you exactly. didn't have. But yes. <laughs> uh, there are also just some other terms that we wanted to clear up and provide some um, insight into what, what is meant when we use those terms. So we're going to discuss those kinds of things today, and um, I hope that it will be helpful. If you have questions afterward, we'll have some notes to in the we'll have some links in the show notes to other resources, and you're also always welcome to give us uh, drop us a line um, at. Okay, let me back up. You're also always welcome to drop us a line. We're happy to have further discussions. We always love hearing from listeners. So without further ado, let's talk about the terms that, some of the terms that we use in the discussions about racial equity. So to start with, why are we having this discussion? Ladies, why, <laughs> why, why is this important? Uh, I'll take a stab at that. Um, I, it's important because there, these are a lot of terms that people heard more lately than in times past because of this summer's um, Black Lives Matter movement um, increasing after the uh, George Floyd, um, people say incident, uh, but his killing, the killing of George Floyd by the police officers. And so we've had a lot of conversations lately that have brought up terms 
that people have never before heard or really didn't pay attention to. And so we wanna make sure that there's not really, there's less confusion about some of this terminology that people have heard. So that's kind of why I think that we're doing it now and why it's important. And to piggyback off of what you're saying a little bit, you know, the conversations are going on and it can be easy to tune out of the conversation if you misunderstand in a negative way what's being talked about or to just think that it doesn't apply to you somehow. Um, yeah. Sometimes when we talk about racism, um, that can make folks tune out because they think I'm not racist. I don't need to talk, listen to stuff about how to not be racist. I'm already not racist. Um, mm -hmm. But talking about these things is really important and it can be really uncomfortable. So the, as with any subject, the more you know, the better you're able to deal with discomfort and synthesize information. And this is our responsibility. Um, it's our responsibility to educate ourselves nobody else's job to teach us this stuff although we're happy to help <laughs> and there are lots of folks who are happy to help um so we are trying our best here uh, in these discussions that we've been having within uva finance to do our part to get the conversation flowing so let's talk about the big uh term that we just mentioned uh racism because some people as we just said will say well, I'm not racist, so this is really not a conversation for me. Um, what does racism really mean? So I think it's clear to, I think it's clear to, to state as we're going through this as well, you're hearing all these terms and people are quick to say, well, because I don't fit this label and because I don't fit into this particular space, I'm not that person. It doesn't matter if the label fits you perfectly and every single part of that label identifies what you are, the thoughts and the belief system that you have when you talk about racism. The belief system that you have that's inherent to your core belief that one person is subordinate to another based on a certain set of criteria, it is what it is. So it doesn't mean that because you, do, you don't act a certain way or you do a certain thing that because I don't do exactly that, I'm not a racist. If you have a core belief in your system, in your thought process, that because of the color of somebody's skin uh, or because of their um, even socioeconomic status, if you believe in any way that one person on this earth is inferior to another person, you have, you have racist tendencies, whether you wanna call yourself a racist because you don't fit all of the other labels, you have racist tendencies in your body and you need to uh, figure out where, where that uh, belief system comes from and how hurtful it is to another race of, of beings if you believe that to be true. Uh, a lot of people tell me all the time, Laverne, I'm not a racist. I like people, I have black friends. <laughs> I have to understand it doesn't mean because you have black friends that you still don't believe that white people are superior to black people. And when you do those types of things, those are racist tendencies. I just wanted to make sure that people understand because you don't fit all the labels right. that honorate you. We think mm -hmm. that we tend to equate racism with hate. And a lot mm -hmm. of us would have a hard time thinking of ourselves as people who hate other people. Just like you said, right. you know, I like people, I have black friends. Right. 
but it, we're not just talking about, Hey, you can be the kindest, nicest, most philanthropic person. Right. Yeah. But racism is a whole system. Like you said, of things involving social systems and politics, and it goes back generations. It's how you grew up believing things and experiencing things. And racism is, can involve ignorance of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, You, I think throughout these conversations, we found that people who are pretty aware of topics of racial equity and diversity and inclusion have actually become really uncomfortable again about their own beliefs because when you realize what you didn't know, you start to realize how you, you were falling into some thoughts that were not so helpful in that way. Um, but it, it's all about privilege, access, and it's even a privilege to learn about racism instead of experiencing it. Um, right. Point. Actually, yeah, I didn't come up with that, by the way. Um, that was that was in some of the the show prep. Um, I don't want anyone falsely thinking that I'm super wise. <laughs> if you know me, you're like, no, Brandy, we That's were not thinking one. that. <laughs> but you know, just there's so much that can come from your whole background, and you don't real you don't recognize it for what it is. Your thoughts mm-hmm. and beliefs about other people. Yeah, I think, I think Brandy, you're going to um, link to that glossary that's a really good resource. Um, and in there, uh, they describe, this is the racial equity tools glossary. Yes. It's um, really comprehensive. It's a great resource. It is very comprehensive. Um, I don't know that includes all the terms we're going to talk about today, but it includes a lot of them. And in there, they talk specifically about racism being um, a being different from prejudice and hatred and discrimination and bias and those kinds of terms that we also use. Um, so it's different than that in that it evolves. And so it the group um, has prejudice over another group. So they think that their, their group is better than the other group, but then they also have the power to carry out um, institutional policies and and live in systems that discriminate. And so it's the power and the prejudice that kind of goes together to make a person a racist. Makes sense. I don't Brady's know. foaming at the mouth over here, excited to make a, a point. Patty, you teed it up so nicely. The idea uh-huh. of it being a part of a system and there being yeah. power that yeah. comes into play with racism, let's push the racism term a little further and talk about systemic racism because that's another way that people I think can get wrapped around the axle because they say, um, we don't live in a racist society. Like everybody has equal opportunity. Everybody's just as good as someone else. Like, don't we have affirmative action and all these programs? Like, aren't we doing pretty good? Well, think about your everyday life. Think about everything that you touch in your everyday life. You think about your financial systems. You think about your health systems. You think about your educational systems, your housing system, everything that is touched. If somebody in those, in any of those uh, arenas has a tendency to have influence and power over another, and then they use that power 
to hold back, marginalize, discriminate, and do things to keep another race or set of people down because they don't care for them or they don't like them, or they just believe they're better than they are because their race is superior in your everyday life. Any of those systems that you have, it's systemic racism. It's, it's very clear if they can, mm -hmm. their beliefs, which is racism, again, thought process, they can take <laughs> beliefs, they can impact change on another person or inhibit or create a, um, a, a space where there's not equality there, then they're able to use that power and influence against them. So let's talk about a really practical example for one second, because this one always shocks me because I have, I, I have to be personally touched by something sometimes to really have that aha moment, but sure. be having two children in a, like a high risk pregnancy situation, uh -huh. made me think about, it makes me stop and digest this fact anew every time that black women are four times more likely to die in childbirth. Mm -hmm. And that's what systemic racism looks like practically. And it's off of a small decision that, that a healthcare provider makes based on their understanding of black women as a group or whether they don't listen or don't pay attention to symptoms or things that they don't understand. It has real impact. Mm -hmm. And what makes that systemic? And, and I'll, I'll also remind um, people that there's multiple terms for the same thing. So sometimes it's called systemic or institutional or structural. I've heard all of those three terms for what we're talking about. Um, so you, you know, you're you mentioning a small thing um, that one doctor can make a decision based on that. That would be when a doctor kind of uh, puts into practice things that they've learned from the institutions that they've that have participated in. So either the hospital or the schools that they went to, those kinds of things that have taught people to believe certain things about a group. And so that individual doctor may not be a racist, but because they've heard certain things about certain groups and they've learned to treat certain populations in different ways, then the, the decisions they make can have like dramatic and devastating impact on other people. Yeah, and they, they clearly do. And I mean, mm -hmm. just to go over a few more statistics that illustrate the problem, 90% of the wealth in the United States is white owned. Black graduates are two times more likely to be unemployed. Black students are three times more likely to be suspended. Black Americans are 30% more likely to be pulled over. 40% of the prison population is black and then are four times more likely to die in childbirth. Mm -hmm. That's a systemic issue. <laughs> yeah. And then you even think about the current environment that we're in and why do more black people die of COVID than uh, any other population statistically and the percentages. Um, so that is a systemic issue with um, what they, the, the lower quality healthcare that they've often received. So those are, that's a systemic issue. Um, another area that I've seen it in is um, in hiring 
sometimes we, um, and we've done this at UVA before, so we will post jobs that say they require a bachelor's degree when they really don't, or they require a master's degree when they really don't. And so you're automatically excluding people that may not have had the opportunities that other groups have had. And so by, by making these like false requirements, I, I, I false isn't right, but kind of arbitrary requirements for hiring into a position, you're, you're creating a position that you're not going to get, um, you're, you're going to be using that systemic issue to further um, oppress a certain population of people. I see it in the criminal justice system. I see mm -hmm. it, racism is, is prevalent. When you look at all the protests today, you see it, it's in, a direct result of things that are happening within our uh, law enforcement. Not to say that law enforcement is in any way all a negative thing. I believe it's very it's a very important part of society. But when you look at systemic racism and you look at people of different races committing the same types of uh, crimes and atrocities, but yet the things that happen to one race of people is by far uh, more severe than the others, then you mm -hmm. say to yourself, how is that? that? That's the belief system that it is out because um, the belief when you're in, when those, in those positions is that um, there's an inferiority for different right. races against others. Mm -hmm. And that goes into what um, the, the fact that we mentioned about the school system, mm -hmm. that often Black students spend a disproportionate amount of time um, in detention or in some kind of punishment situation because people just, the, the authorities leap to that faster with them than they do so, kids of other races. We've talked about then systemic racism and what that looks like almost from a statistical kind of viewpoint, but let's focus it back down again just a little bit. We, we've discussed law enforcement and how bias within the profession can be something that would make police officers more likely to pull over black drivers for the same infractions as other drivers more often. Mm -hmm. That's as a result of bias in a structural way in that profession. But bias, now we're getting down into that individual level again. Um, we all have bias. Mm -hmm. uh, we may or may not all be racist and you may not think of yourself as racist, but you can't say you don't have biases <laughs> for sure. And we all have those. And um, I thought maybe we could look, take a look at what that looks like in society and what the effect of those biases are toward, on the people to whom they're directed. So I'll give an example of a bias. When, when, uh, when a black man approaches you on the street and you cross the street, or a black man gets on an elevator and you grab, you clutch your purse, why? Let's talk for a minute. Why does that occur? Why is that bias? That's, that's an example of a bias that's tied to a, a belief structure and racism that there's harm intended there. So where is the harm? There's, that's one example of a bias that you see often. And so when you look at racism, a lot of the biases that we have stem from our racist thoughts. So you may have a bias, you may even act on it, but where does it come from? It mm -hmm. comes from 
from the racist thought that you have that causes you then to react. So if you're gonna pull over a black or brown driver and you're going to use excessive force, where is that coming from? Where's the bias that says, I'm in danger and I'm fearful so much so that I have to now put this into action, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. just an example of one of the, that I see a bias. It's going to be hard for us because we all like to talk to one another so much. And because um, these are the conversations we've been having a lot recently, yeah. not to get into too much discussion around it in, instead of sticking to the terms. But I just wanted to mention for just one moment that what Laverne mentions about um, thinking about where that stuff com comes from. Mm -hmm. um, I wish we had a term for that that we could just make up like self-examination or something. Like that's that's a part of what uh, of what we've been doing a lot in these talks is really examining where your your bias comes from and how that is at play in your life. So just a general like marginal note to this whole discussion of terminology that we're hoping that the discussion opens up those channels of thought in your own mind. And we're acknowledging too that it's hard when you start to think that way because you're talking, you're thinking about things that you were taught in the religious environment, things that you were taught by loved family members um, lived experiences that you had that you turned into the way that you see the world. And our brains naturally um, resist being poked at in that way. <laughs> so right. if it feels uncomfortable, it should. Go. Well, well, and they've done studies that show like kids as young as like three years old start to develop biases. Um, and so that's really interesting because it's just ingrained in who we are. We all, like you said, Brandy, we all have them. Um, and so it, it does take some self-awareness and self-like investigation to, to kind of turn those over and figure out where you have them. Um, so it may be helpful Brandy, to put in the show notes that implicit bias association test. I don't know exactly what it's called, okay. but um, it was it's that Harvard um, implicit bias assessment or test. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. And it it can help people examine their biases around all kinds of issues: gender, age, whether whether you have a bias against heavy people or skinny people or. Race, obviously, you know, so it's it goes into all kinds of um, things and it's really eye opening. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah, so if you'll link to that, that would be awesome. Will do. You know, I'm thinking back to um, the conversation that we had, we referred to this in the companion piece to this pod um, about because we're talking about Brave Space, we refer to our conversation with Valencia Harvey and she talked about the effect that bias, like all these little ways that bias is shown in everyday behavior, the effect that that has on, in this instance, people of color, but we could be talking about, as you said, heavy people or um, people, um, different genders. But in this case, we're talking about race, mm -hmm. um, what that, the cumulative effect of all that is, and it, it ain't good. Mm -hmm. Those are called microaggressions, by the way. Right. And that's another yeah. term that you may hear. We wanted yeah. to cover today. 
Yeah, I think we should talk about microaggressions um, specifically because that is a term that people aren't really sure about. And the way I see them are, um, they are small slights. I mean, the, the impact is huge. <laughs> so I don't wanna make it sound like it's a, a nothing, um, it, that it's nothing, but there's they're everyday kinds of verbal um, or nonverbal or um, um, behavioral slights that, or insults that people do sometimes without even realizing that they're doing it. And so um, an example may be uh, if you're a black person and you go into a store and the, this has happened to people I know um, where the store clerk starts following them around. Um, so that's an example of a microaggression. Um, and I'm sure Laverne, you probably experienced them quite a bit. So what, what is, and, I, and I, I guess we should go a little bit further saying, I want to explain why that's um, hurtful. Are you right. following me around because you don't think that I have the ability to purchase things in your store, that I don't have money or that I'm not worthy to be in your store? Or are right. you following me around because you think I'm going to steal? Mm -hmm. Are you following me around your store? Are you following any other patron around or is it just right. me? So you get that a lot. Another one yeah. is you, if you have gone to school and you have good diction, or you speak clearly, you speak really well for a black person. Like why, mm -hmm. you, why would you think that black people can't pronounce their words clearly or speak clearly? Why right. so odd? One that really, really um, we hear a lot is you can't help it that you're black. That's probably one of the biggest uh, microaggressions that we hear. It's not your fault that you're black. Like, mm -hmm. You expecting that to be a bad thing for black? It's a fault. <laughs> yeah, it's why is it a fault that you? It's not your fault that you're black because clearly we we will say, well, it's not your fault that you're white. It's not your fault that you are who you are. But we you say the people say these things, and I do not think. I think it's a, it's a quick it's a quick uh, thought again thought pattern that comes out. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're being mean-spirited about it. Right. It's not intelligent enough to understand that some things that you say are very hurtful to other people. Yeah. And I think the intention isn't what we need to focus on. It's the impact. So the Correct. intent might be good. The person thinks, oh, I want to be empathetic to that Correct. person. Or I want to show how much I care about them. And so I'm going to say, well, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not your fault that you're Black. Or I'm going to give you a compliment. Right. Compliment is actually an insult. Right. And so the impact is what we need to make sure that we're addressing when it comes to microaggressions. Um, really, when it comes to any any of this, but um, and and really, like any relationship with anybody, you'd think that we would all have the sense to realize that it your intention doesn't matter. It's how the other person perceives it. But that's consistently one of the hardest things. <laughs> Mm -hmm. for all right. of us to get. Yeah, definitely. So microaggressions, it's just like the, 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 the thousand cuts kind of thing, like the yeah. death by paper, a thousand paper cuts or whatever. So it's like all these little things, their cumulative effect is really uh, substantial. 
Yeah, and there, I will link, <clears throat> I'll make myself a note to link to more information on the, in the, uh, I'll make myself a note to link to some more information in the show notes on some research on how um, day, dealing with day-to-day bias in these microaggressions impacts the health of people of color. Because they, there are some good statistics about, but they're not good statistics, actually, they're very depressing statistics, but statistics about how this impacts health in, in terms of um, disease, longevity, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, good idea. All right, so let's pivot here for a second and talk about a couple other really big terms that um, people may hear as a part of this discussion and um, they're terms that we think we know what they mean or we may just kind of dismiss them now as like uh, part of the, like the, just the noise of the, the language that people use. Let's talk about diversity and inclusion. They're often used interchangeably, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll take, I'll try <laughs> to. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> take a stab um, at that one. And then either one of you chime in <laughs> because I probably won't get this right. But diversity um, talk, uh, and some of this is really listed very well in that, um, a racial equity tools glossary, but diversity is all different ways people are are different, um, and so um, it it kind of in, it, the the definition says it encompasses the different characteristics that make an individual or group different from another. So you can have racial diversity, you can have um, gender diversity. Um, uh, you can have um, LGBTQ versus straight. You can have all kinds of people who are um, different in different ways. And that makes up a diverse group of people. Socioeconomic diversity is another one. So there's all, people are different. People are different in all different ways. And so you can be um, committed to having a diverse team or having a diverse group of people um, that you work with or whatever, or that you're friends with even, whatever. Um, and that is great, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean or equate to inclusion. So inclusion goes further that it actually, we make an intentional um, or an effort to in, make sure that I hate using the same term, but include people so that get, you give people a sense of belonging to the group um, by including. That's, yeah, that's a good word, belonging. Yeah. So, um, so it's, so they're different because you can have a diverse group of people and then not be inclusive. And then probably before long, you won't have a diverse group of people anymore. Good point. Um, because it's really, really important. Inclusion is just as important as diversity. So, um, so it's, you know, that's kind of how I differentiate between the two or how I think of the two. What does inclusion look like, you guys? How do we know inclusion when we see it? Laverne, I, I uh, really like how you talked about like having opportunities, being at the table. I like how you talked about that in one of the discussions that we've had. 
Well, what I said during that discussion was, okay, so when you talk diversity, you're talking, maybe there's a disability, maybe there's uh, right. whatever the differences are, there are differences in this group of people. Inclusion means I recognize that I'm here because we are diverse. I don't want anything special because I'm here. I just wanna be included at the table. I wanna seat at the table, no preferential treatment, no special conditions. I just want to seat at the table like everyone else. It's the, it's the act of saying, I respect you as much as I respect everybody else. And I appreciate you and I value you here. And it's not just words being said or passed because you're, you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's. You absolutely value that individual there. You look forward to their input and you want them a part of the team. That's inclusion. You can be diverse and you can have a whole bunch of different people and a whole bunch of different uh, characteristics that put people together in an organization, but to include them is totally different. To bring them together and respect them all in the same way is really what inclusion is more about. My way I see it. Now, I think that explains it very, very well. Yep. And when we talk about um, inclusion and as you said, Laverne, appreciating people and wanting to hear from them and seeking the the seeking out the things that make people different because it makes us better. Um, that kind of leads us into the whole concept of when you're what you what kind of behaviors that you exhibit when you're an ally. And you may have heard this term, um, maybe related to race and maybe related to um, sexual identity. But I think it's an important one to cover. Um, what is an ally and how do you, how do you show that you are an ally? So first let's say allies are good things. Um, when you want to be an ally, you want to be an advocate, you want to push the narrative forward. If there is a ally, I'll use racism. If you're an ally against racism, that means you are going to say, do, speak those things that speak out against racism, not just in certain areas around safe or, or secluded people. You are going to actually mean that, say that, believe that, speak that, walk that. You are an ally. So there's not conditions to when you show that uh, support and um, speak out against something, because if you're an ally, you really mean it. What a lot of people tend to to say or do when they're when they're trying to get this ally piece right is, I, I understand, I, I feel, I understand what's going on, and it and by that by saying that alone is not necessarily all that it takes. It means really understanding, really knowing, really acting on it, and not just only when it's safe. It's acting on it every single time you see it, every single time you hear it that's what an ally is. So it's really an advocate against or for something that you strongly believe in. And it's going back to that power dynamic, using the privilege that you have for the good of another group. And that mm -hmm. gets us into another definition, which is privilege or white privilege um, in mm -hmm. this specific instance. So maybe we could talk a little bit about privilege. Yeah, privileged is, um, I think the thing that, that you distinguish privilege is that it's an unearned um, social power or unearned 
something that you've not earned that gives you an advantage over other groups of people. And so yep. most of the time we think of it as white privilege, mm -hmm. um, but males have privilege over females. Um, uh, so I like, I like the, dis I like, I like that the unearned. Yeah, mm -hmm. unearned. Yeah. And, and it's, let's, can we start that over? Can you edit that part out? Cause I wasn't saying that very well. Okay. No, I thought it was okay, but. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, don't be I sorry. Like I, I just feel like I didn't say that very well. Um, I, I like the part about unearned because yeah. it is really easy to react badly to being told that you have privilege because right. few of us have perfect backgrounds and it's easy to say, well, I was really poor. I had something bad happen to me. My parents died, whatever. Um, yeah. I would be sorry about that. I don't mean to sound so flip about it. You know, I know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when we talk about privilege and the racial context, it just means that your life has not made, been made harder by the color of your skin. And you yeah. didn't earn that privilege. Um, and when you talk about men having privilege over, or over women, it's the absence of a challenge just based on who you are. You don't right. have to worry about, um, you know, typically you don't have to worry about sexual assault really as a man. Right. That because you're a man. Point. It's not yeah. because you did anything bad. Mm -hmm. um, nobody is looking at you and saying shame on you for having that. It's not anything to feel guilty over, but it is something to use. Yeah. Well, see, if you think of it this way, you can think of it as, as, you know, we all have struggles and things that we go through in our lives, but white privilege, being white is not one of your struggles. Being white is not an additional struggle that you have that other people experience. So when you say privilege, the benefit that you get from that is that I don't have to list being white as one of the struggles that I have in my life. I'm mm -hmm. and so because of that, it it is what it is for me. I don't have to list that as one of my struggles, even though I may have others. Being white isn't one of my struggles, where being non-white to other people is a struggle. Right. I got 99 problems. Being white ain't one. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> um, what do you do with privilege though? So um, you have some privilege. We were just talking about allyship. Let's push this yeah. to its natural conclusion here. What does one do with privilege? I think that if you are in a privileged group that you can use that privilege to be an ally to um, other groups. To be actively anti-racist. Right. Yeah. I um, really like, um, I wanted to mention this, this class um, that we've looked at on LinkedIn Learning, the Dorica Blackman. I don't know okay. her name right, but um, she talks about, and um, she talks about, I'm not gonna find it now, that racism is um, like we're on a conveyor belt. And I just really like this like analogy. Um, and we're walking along uh, doing nothing typically. And that to be an anti-racist or an ally you need to turn around and walk the opposite way. So I really like that, the image of um, taking action to walk the opposite way and using your privilege to be able to do that. And like Laverne said, not just when it's comfortable. Um, right. 
And, and, you know, a caveat to that, to people who are going, oh, I don't know if I know how, like all the right things to say. It's okay that you'll, you don't know all the right things to say or do um, because when you're prioritizing justice and hard conversations, that's the right track. And it probably will make you uncomfortable. And, and when something is said or done that makes you uncomfortable, it probably needs to be addressed and you probably will get things wrong. And that's okay because being an ally is an evolving role. So just, it, it feels like sometimes when we're talking about things that are so important as this, that we can't afford to get anything wrong. Um, the big things are the things we can't afford to get wrong any longer. How we get there and the effort that we take to get there there can be little mistakes in the direction of doing good stuff. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I think people need to realize that you, you use the wrong term or you say the wrong thing. It's okay. Like, just keep, keep on going. Um, no better, do better. Right. I love that. That's Laverne's mantra. Patty and I were, I sent Patty really? I a lot of time on TikToks, yeah. on TikTok. Yeah. And I sent Patty a TikTok the other night that was, a black lady talking about um, the about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and mm -hmm. how she had heard people saying um, people of Jewish faith saying don't say may she rest in peace because that's not how we talk about those things that's a Christian idea mm -hmm. and we would say may her memory be a blessing mm -hmm. and she said my which is a lovely concept also just side mm -hmm. note <laughs> um, but also um, she said her gut reaction to that was, well, I didn't mean anything by it. Like I wasn't trying to force my beliefs on anyone right. else or I didn't even really know that was a exactly. Christian thing. But she said, but you know what I did? I learned that that's the way that group would wants to, it to be talked about and that's how they believe. And I started saying, may she remember to be a blessing because that's you go. what they want. Yeah, that's right. And that's, it's a, I thought that was a nice, simple way to talk, to have, to think about that response that we often, that knee jerk of, well, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean right. to say the wrong thing. So yeah. you say, when you know better, you do better. And yeah. each one, each one. Yeah. So as you grow, take that knowledge and teach someone else because they right. may not have known it either. So if you know better, you do better. Yep. Okay, ladies, I'm pausing us for a second. That was really freaking good, all of that. And I almost feel like that's a good natural conclusion. Um, we haven't talked about, um, white fragility. We haven't talked about Black Lives Matter. Let's, do we want to talk about those things and insert them or how are you feeling? Like, I mean, I always have these ideas going into podcasts. Right. I'm like, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And then the conversation flows and it is what it is. So I think there's so much political hype around Black Lives Matter right now. I'm not putting anything negative or, or, or any spin on it. I just think that- Maybe stay away from it this time. Labels. And I, Yeah. And I can remember some of our sprint discussions where we were so many labels, you know, like, that's white fragility, that's colorism. And like, I'm not that. I just think we had to be careful with all the labels. Oh, there's definitions and we can point them to what they are and they can read them. But if we say, if you do this, you do this. And, and I think people are like throwing their hands off. Like I, and we covered the big ones, right? Like almost like the, the spirit of the pod that we kind of got to at the yeah. end was like, mm -hmm. here's some basics to move you in the yeah. right direction. I feel like 
we yeah. covered. I remember in one sprint discussion we were talking and uh, uh, I remember Toshin saying that's an example of right, uh, right fragility. And so, mm -hmm. and that would be, and that's another microaggression. And so they, the everybody just kind of stopped. Like everything I say is this or this or this, you know, yeah. I mean? it's almost like we hit racism, we hit privilege, we hit ally, the things that people know and do and every single day that they know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. And, and that sort of like that encouragement that like, it's a lot moving the right direction. Mm -hmm. Right. And the one thing and that keeps- the fact that it's uncomfortable that we yes. know it's uncomfortable. this and is not something that you have never walked before. You haven't, no one has, has taken you here before to, to point out, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. It's uncomfortable as you learn, but as you learn, you grow. So when, when we were responding, when Patty sent out the, those survey responses last week, yeah, it, <laughs> um, it was, it, it made me think that we really, really, really need a discussion and maybe not really, really, because clearly only the pissed off little gremlins responded to that survey. <laughs> well, that's not true. That this there, actually could be a course. This could be a course. This it could, could be, a, and, and like, I really think that maybe starting, starting yeah. the course with a, a discussion of this will be uncomfortable and here's why. Like, here's how your worldview developed and your brain is actually wired to protect that belief system you have. Like, you right. can't even help it that you're gonna have a knee-jerk response to some of this. Mm -hmm. so these terms and definitions could actually be, you know, somebody could take, you know, sensitivity, racism sensitivity course or offer whatever. And these terms and definitions could be like the, the foundation for that. There's just so many of them, even ones that we're not touching here that can go and not just for, um, not just for blacks. I mean, I, I don't want to go too, too far down the weeds because we do have sexism things. There's a lot of things that we need to cover in all of, you know what I mean? In these terms and depths. So mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? I think that we, and I think Patty was good in continuously turning that narrative so that it's when you're a racist or you have a bias, you have a bias against all, you could be against a whole, people think I'm not a racist. I like black people. Well, you may have a gender issue. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think we, we with too many labels and people are just going to say, well, here we go again, pointing out what I am and what I'm not. I like, I feel comfortable with that. I really do. Like, yeah. I feel like we did a nice little calm, inviting primer. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and is that all that needs to be done? No, definitely. But it's a really lovely start. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, we need to record a wrap up real quick. And we've been recording all of those. So um, I'll, I'll wrap us up. <clears throat> but um, is there anything else that you all want to be sure and say before we go? I loved what, how it just ended. Like Laverne, it was like, when I, when I read, um, when I'm interviewing people, usually for um, blog stuff, after people talk for a long time, they finally like get the, the best, biggest idea at the end. Oh. And it's like, this is horrible, but I call it the money shot moment. Oh, the money <laughs> shot. Girl, get that. <laughs> the money shot moment where I was like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> so it was, it was the way you wrapped it up was lovely. But is there anything else we want to be sure and mention? I'm good. I think we got it. So we've 
we've talked about a few of the biggest um, terms, the most frequently used terms that you might encounter in these types of discussions. I'm sure there's a whole laundry list of other terminology that you may have had on your mind as you listened in and thought that we might cover, you know, things like um, white fragility maybe, or um, a bigger discussion of prejudice and oppression. You can find more on those things and the resources that we'll link to in the show notes. And maybe we'll do more on this topic again, because just as we alluded to when um, we were just walking through the terms, some of these could be expanded to apply to other discussions, not about race, could be about gender, could be about sexuality, could be about your size. There are many different contexts in which we can apply a lot of these terms, but I hope that it's been helpful for you just this very high level primer to get used to some of the terminology. And we hope that um, you'll continue to listen into the content that we have on finance matters about this topic. If you're within UVA and UVA finance, there are a lot of great local resources available for you that we can link you to in the show notes. And um, until then, I just wanted to thank you, Laverne, for being our guest again. You did not only one, but two pods with us on this. So thank you for letting us rope you into that. (laughs) You're welcome. And thank you as always to Patty for being the best co-host and work wife in the world. (laughs) We will hit you guys again with On Finance Matters with some new content very soon. As always, keep doing good work because what you're doing matters. Bye.